We confess that Jesus is the Christ, and we are but sinners saved by grace. God, we pray that you would speak to our hearts, steal our storms, give us joy, help us to walk by faith and not by feelings. Bless your word this morning. Convince, convict, and if need be, convert in Jesus' name. And we applaud you. Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap. Praise him. Praise him. Praise him. David said, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Those of us that are saved when we get to heaven, the only clapping we're going to do is for the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive glory, honor, and praise. This morning we want to begin a new year with a new attitude. Amen? Forgetting those things that are behind and reaching to those things that are before us. I want you to turn in your Bibles to the scripture that was read in your hearing, Matthew chapter 25, Matthew chapter 25, and uh, one pull up one verse is the parable of the talents, Matthew chapter 25, and of course a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And oftentimes in parables, there are no names mentioned. Amen. In Matthew chapter 25 and verse 29 sets in motion, it begins at verse 14, but verse 29 says, For unto every one that hath shall be given, and he shall have abundance. But from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath. This morning I want to deal with a faithfulness in spite of friction. A faithfulness in spite of friction. Now, let me let me underscore this title. I didn't do it this morning at 8. I want to do it now. Oftentimes, in order to be faithful, you've got to persevere through a friction that God allows to stand in the way of you being faithful. Are you getting this? Faithfulness comes out of the fact that you had to persevere something in order to be faithful. Are you getting this? Yeah, there's a cost for the commitment. Do I have a witness? And here in this verse, it's interesting, I thought it apropos uh, that we would kick off the new year with the faithfulness of four major stewardships in our lives. Management can be defined as an establishment of order, organization, oversight, and even obligations to both people and projects. A good manager has the ability to manage, monitor, motivate, manufacture, move, market, and even maneuver through problematic situations. In order to bring a resolve to a situation, a good manager studies the past, is steadfast and systematic in the present, 
and very, very strategic in the future. All management before God begins with a premise. It moves from a premise in his word to a principle of his word. It moves from a premise to a principle to our participation by his word. And, it, and we are blessed by a promise from his word. And it's from this promise that when we are faithful, that we experience promotion and prosperity. Our saving, our sowing to God, amen, is a reaping of his grace. Our obedience to God brings an occurrence of blessings. And when you begin to understand that stewardship is an entrustment of God to us, amen, we then can better define the scripture that is before us. Too often, preachers and pastors want to preach but have not given you all of the road signs to the scripture. And what I want to do in this chapter 25 of the parable of the talents, and don't mix this up with the parable in Luke 19 of the pounds, they there are some similarities, but it's not the same because in this parable, there are some real definite uh, and disclosing things that the average eye just may not see. The word ability is used. God gives us things according to our abilities. And some have much or superior abilities. Others have mediocre abilities. Others have minimal abilities. And, and, and what the parable is dealing with is that the three servants in the parable either come out faithful or unfaithful, depending on the opportunities amen, that came out of these abilities. And, 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 and the word talent means, listen to this, 20 years of wages. 20 years of wages. So when we begin to look at this parable, and I like to be a to exposit, be expository in nature so that we define and disclose all of the trappings of this particular scripture. Of course, the Lord Jesus is talking. He's giving us this parable which starts at verse 14. It, it followed the parable of the 10 virgins, 1 to 13, and he's, he's in this parable mood, and there's 30-something parables in the New Testament spoken mainly by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, most of which have no names. They don't need names because they're stories. All right, yes, sir. They're stories for you and I to understand truth. But when we look at chapter 25 specifically, I want to point out some of the things about this stewardship. Notice in verse 15, something is entrusted. And unto one he gave five talents, superior ability, to another two, mediocre ability, to another one, minimal ability, to every man according to his several ability, and then the owner who owned the talents went away. There is first an entrustment of something. Secondly, in verse 16, there is an expectation of the owner. Look at verse 16. Then he that had received the talents went and traded 
there, there is an expectation from the entrustment. And then 19 and 20, there's an examination that's going to take place for what has been entrusted and expected of you. Are you getting this? Hang in there with me. Start writing. First, there's an entrustment, verse 15. Expectation, verse 16. Examination, 19 to 20. And then there is an expression, 21 to 26, by the owner. And finally, 27 to 30, there's an exchange process. Are you with me? Come on, we're in school now. We're in school now. We're in school. Wake up. Amen. I'm not here to make you feel good. My job description is feed the flock. Amen. Feed them with spiritual food to enhance their walk and their worship and their wisdom. Are you with me this morning? Amen. So, so one of the things that we have here in defining and disclosing this particular parable is that the parable is resting on the fact that the owner entrusted to us something. And he's expecting something. He's examining something. He will express something about what we did, what he gave us. And then there's an exchange process. And according to Psalm 24.1, just write the scripture down, it begins with a premise. What's the premise in Psalm 24.1? I'm glad you asked. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof and all and everything that dwells therein. The premise is God owns everything. He owns your soul. He owns your life. He owns your children's life. He owns your next breath. Everything belongs to God. Okonoma. He, he owns everything. Now, now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Meaning nothing you and I have belongs to us. Everything we have belongs to God. Right, let me say that again. Everything, your car belongs to God, your job belongs to God, your children belong to God, your marriage belongs to God, your ministry belongs to God. Everything we have belongs to him. Well, I work for a little. Everything belongs to God. Are you getting this? That is the premise, Psalm 24, 1, and then... Without turning, the principle is taken out of Galatians 6, 7. And, and Galatians 6, 7 goes on to say, Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth. Now, wait a minute. Look at the specificity. That he also reapeth. Meaning, whatever you and I sow in life, and we're sowing every day, that is exactly what's coming back. You can't sow hell and get heaven. You can't sow gossip and get glory. Are you praying with me this morning? You can't sow hatred and get help. Whatever you sowing, that is what you're going to reap. I got God. That's the principle. That's God's principle. It's not my principle. It's God's principle. I wish I could sow hell and get heaven. All right. <laughs> All right, no, no, that's God's principle. So the premise that God's own everything leads to the principle, and the principle makes way for the promise. Galatians 6, 9 says, and let us not become weary in well-doing. So let me stop. Obviously, when you're doing well, the tendency is to get tired. Are y'all getting this? See, we, we don't get tired from all that hell. We get tired when we're trying to do well. Let us not grow weary in well-doing, for in due season meaning God didn't forget you, you will reap if, here's the precaution, you faint not, if you don't give up. And then there's a persuasion in verse 10 of Galatians 6. He says, as we therefore, and therefore connects it back to everything else, 
have opportunity, let us do good unto all men, but especially those of the household of faith. My God. It's this premise, principle, promise, precaution, perseverance, and persuasion that defines and discloses all aspects of stewardship. And I want to dive into this text because so much of what I'm going to preach today has been distorted. No, God is not looking for perfection because we are imperfect beings. None of us are perfect. We all make mistakes daily. Isn't that right? He's not looking for perfection. But when I take this scripture on amen, this matter of his ownership and my management of what he has given me, we have to be very, very careful that we understand what God is saying. And what I see out of this, the first area of management is God's management of, there's a management of God's fruit. Fruit, 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 fruit. Um, grace and gifts. Now turn to Ephesians chapter 4, to your right. Come on, we can get there quickly. Ephesians chapter 4, write it down. I want you to see this. Amen. This is a teaching ministry. Our objective here is for you to grow in grace. Amen? Yeah. Um, in Ephesians, which is after Galatians, chapter 4, and verse 7, look what it says. But unto every one of us is given what? Grace. grace. Now, grace is love we don't deserve. And the grace that Paul is inferring is salvation. We, we've been given grace. Right? According to the measure of the gift of Christ. This, this management of fruit, this God's grace and God's gifts, because I'm saved grace, love I don't deserve, God has gifted every born-again believer at the point of salvation. Now, let me stop Paul's apart because I am preaching on the talents, but I'm not preaching about your talents. There's a difference between talents and gifts. Talents is what you get at your first birth, your natural birth. There is a talent of speed, the ability to run fast. You can't pray for that. Can I get a witness? You can pray all you want. You ain't running no faster. Amen. There, there's a talent of singing. Singing is not a gift. It's a talent. Something in your vocal cords when you came out your mother's womb allowed you to hold a note. Naturally. Now, I'm, I'm talking naturally. Now, I know we can go to singing school. We can learn how to sing, hold our breath. And I know I'm, talking, I'm talking about natural. There's some people that just can naturally sing. Can I get a witness? So what you get at your natural birth are talents, but what you get at your new birth, your rebirth, are gifts. Gifts of the Holy Spirit, enablements, endowments, amen, enrichments from the Holy Spirit. And every born-again believer has at least one spiritual gift. Are you getting this? Some have more than one. Amen? Yeah. And, 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 and when we look at 1 Corinthians 12, Romans uh, 12, and Ephesians 4, there's a breakdown of what we teach in our discipleship, three different categories of gifts. First, there are speaking gifts. Now, listen to pastor. First, pastor-teacher, which is a dual gift. Every pastor should be a teacher, but every teacher don't have to be a pastor. Are you getting this? Why do you have to be a teacher and a pastor? Because you got to feed the flock. So pastor-teacher is one gift. Teacher is a second gift. The word evangelist is a third gift. There are evangelists who preach on the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's what evangelism is, an outreach to save people. Amen? Uh, evangelists are not revivalists. <laughs> Pastor's trying to teach you something. 
Revivalists come in to revive. We bring the greatest revivalists every year to revive you. Amen. Then when they leave, we go back to teaching. So if you didn't get revived, that's on you. You didn't come out. Praise the Lord. We, 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 amen. We trying to resuscitate. Yes, <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> and, 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 and so there's pastor, teacher, teacher, evangelist, the word of wisdom, which we always talk about Christian counseling. Counselors have the word of wisdom. So when you go to counseling, they give you a word of wisdom to alter your life. Amen. The word of wisdom and then the word of exhortation to build people up. But wait a minute, exhortation is not just counseling, it's correction. A, a person with the gift of exhortation, they're not only going to say, well, you know, be encouraged. No, 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 that ain't exhortation. Exhortation might be chewing you out, rebuking you, correcting the way you live. So there's the gift of exhortation, there's the gift of knowledge, a systematizing of the scriptures, deep knowledge of the scriptures. There's prophets uh, who are preachers. And, 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 and so the, these are what we call speaking gifts. And all, all gifts ought to be exercised in love and under the authority of the local church. Oh, I'm messing up now, Doc. Thank you, Jesus. But then there are serving gifts. Faith, the gift of faith. All of us should exercise faith, but there are some people that just have a gift of faith. I don't care what happens in their life. They just sit there and say, you know what? I believe God, Amen. and I'm going home and go to sleep. Amen. Can I get a witness? Because they have a gift of faith. Pastor, be encouraged. We're getting over this. I know it. That's, that's a gift of faith. Then there's the gift of ruling, the gift of administration, the gift of giving. All of us ought to give, but there are people that are super, just, just super givers. They have a gift to give, the gift of discernment, discerning between right and wrong, good and bad. And then the gift of helps, the gift of mercy. People with the gift of mercy are great, but they get on your nerves. Say, oh, forgive them. Oh, don't get upset. Oh, wrap your arms around them. The gift of mercy. And then there's the gift of service. Di diakonos for deacon, same root for ministers. We serve. We're not here to be served. We serve. Amen. Like Jesus washed the disciples' feet. We serve. And it takes in humility to serve. And then choir, that's a, that's a service gift. They're here to sing the songs of Zion, to exalt our Christ through song. That's a gift of service, ushering, a gift of service. Now, some of these, some of these gifts, uh, some, some of these services, I, I just couldn't participate in. If I'm on that door, and you ought to be kind and courteous to be an usher. But if I'm on that door and some nasty somebody come to church, shut your behind down, shut up. You, you, you got to have, have a loving character to be an usher. Can I get a witness? Folk come in late but want their seat. Isn't that right? Huh? Folk come to church 40 minutes late but want to walk up front. Come in church after the offering and then demand a balcony seat. Are you praying with me? Thank God for ushers. We love you. Amen. So you have deacon, minister, you have choir, you have usher, people that work in the kitchen. That's a service ministry. Youth worker, service ministry, education, ministry, senior citizens, service ministry. Now, starting off the new year, some of y'all don't serve. But you've been gifted. And, and what we need to do is not guilt trip. We just need to say, wait a minute. Tom, talents and treasures. Let pastor preach this. Pastor, can I do something for the youth once a quarter? Can we start out once a quarter? I'll donate three hours on Friday night to youth. 
Can I go to the youth retreat in the mountains the week and help manage the children? Ah, Lord. Can I help out with the tax program in January and February? Can I, can I, can I help come in and help clean the church? I, I know that's below you, but clean your houses first, then come in here. Look at this, but can I, can I, can I serve in the mini mall? Service! And, 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 and it goes on and on. So he has the speaking gifts, the serving gifts, and then the sign gifts is a third category in which, as a biblical position, I don't hold that these gifts are operating. Everybody doesn't agree with me, and that's fine. But what are signs? Miracles. You can pray to your tongue fall out. You ain't open up no Red Sea. You can go to graveyard at night, sit your chair there, and just uh, whatever language you want to use, pray all you want. Ain't nobody coming back from the dead. Can I get a witness? And, and, and then this matter of supernatural healings, God has not invested healing in no one person to raise the dead and to heal all diseases. That, that's, that, those are signs. And then God is not asking you to come to church and speak glossolalia in an unknown dialect. It's dialect, language, yeah, when we all speak English. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 14, I'd rather you prophesy. I'd rather you preach clearly. In fact, tongues were never used for public worship anyway. It was a private gift. Oh, Lord. With an interpreter if it went public. Can I get a witness? So we don't hold to these... Amen. Some of y'all can't even say amen, but that's all right. Tain't nothing to me. Look, speaking gifts, serving gifts, sign gifts. God says, there's a management of my grace and my gifts. How are you serving me? Now listen to this because I'm going to drop a bomb on you. If you're getting paid for what you do, it's not service. Amen. Amen. Freely you have received, freely give. See, it's sacrificial, isn't it? It's going to cost you something to serve. We have discipleship teachers every second Sunday. Next second Sunday, they teach discipleship classes. There are people in the kitchen that have to make meals for hundreds. Are you getting this? This is service. So there, 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 there's the management of God's fruit, which, which, is, which, which are grace and gifts. Amen. And when you look at John 15 about fruit and vine, there are three things. Jesus said, if you abide in me, in the vine, and I abide in you. Amen. A two-way street. And if you are cleansed, and if you are obedient, ask what you will, and it will be done unto you. Service. Service. Let me, let me, let me stop talking. Right. By the grace of God, I am the architect of this ministry. For 25 years, I put everything in place. All the ministries, all the retreats, all the counseling, everything, I put it in place. The elder board, what the deacons do now, everything was placed by pastor. Out of 12,000 members, 11,880 of you weren't even here when I started. All right, pastor. Meaning that by the grace of God, he led me. To put in place everything. Now some things have changed. Some things will change and continue to change. That's great. But the foundation of this ministry was placed by the Spirit of God through me for a reason. And the reason was growth. We, we planned, we sowed seed, and we kept sowing faithfully and God rewarded it. Are you getting me? Now, there, 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 there are no perfections. I'm not perfect. I'm messed up. 
amen, just like you are, the fact of the matter is, but God was faithful. Amen? He made us faithful in entrusting to us his word, his people, his house. Amen? He, he has not only entrusted, he is expecting, he's examining, amen, he's expressing, and the uh, fact of the matter is, he's going to reward as he is pleased. Thank you, Jesus. So what I'm saying is that when we look at this matter of fruit, and by the way, and this is for the ministers, you don't just jump up and become a pastor. When you are faithful over a few things, he'll make you ruler over many. Can I get a witness? And, 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 and so, you know, in the 70s, we were out in front of the gallery passing out 800 tracks a week in the 70s. I was teaching Bible study in a home in Willingboro in the 70s, 80s. And I, was, I had a Bible study in my home. I had a Bible study at different institutes. So through the years, I'm just preaching concept, I tried to be faithful to what God asked me to do. And then over the years, God rewarded me. Are you getting this? Because of faithfulness with more. Here's what God said. Since you can manage this little bit, I will give you more to manage. Do, do, do y'all see the principle? Do y'all see the principle? And, and, and see, the fact of the matter is, and that's why the Bible says, let him that desires to be a deacon, let him wait on his deaconing. That is, you don't take somebody and just make them a deacon and throw them in the office. People come to me and say, I've been called to preach. Good. Keep praying. We'll watch you. Come to classes. We're not pulling you up in this pulpit. I don't know what you believe. I don't know where you come from. I don't know how many tables you done ate at. Can I get a witness? So the fact of the matter is, you got to sit so that we can observe what's in your head and in your heart. Amen. So we, we, we need to start off this new year serving. Let me, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me give some service to the Lord. The second area is the management of God's family. Guidance and glue. Now we're going to get hot. Guess what? Your kids belong to the Lord. Your marriage belongs to the Lord. Your ministry belongs to the Lord. Your household belongs to the Lord. Are you getting this? The family was the first institution that God created. Genesis 1, 26, let us make man our image. Genesis 2, and he brought the woman to the man, put the man asleep, out of his rib, made his wife, and the two shall become one. You know the story. Can I get a witness? But when you go to Ephesians 5, don't turn there. The family, amen, uh, First, let's deal with the children, and he deals with guidance. Now, 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 now listen to Pastor. Proverbs 22, 6, don't turn. And oftentimes, when we quote in that, we use the wrong word. Some of your translations are wrong. Your translation says, bring up a child. That's not it. The correct, the correct passage says, train up a child in the way they should. The word train denotes a discipline diet of development, Lord have mercy, discernment, amen, are you getting this? And do it delicately. Train up a child in the way they should go. In other words, rear them up in righteousness. A godly guidance. Here's the difficulty for parents. You got kids. You got to break their will, but not their spirits. Uh, sometimes I'm in the grocery store saying this morning. It blows my mind. How, how do you break a child's will? I mean, yeah, their will. You know, children are defiant. I want you. No. I'm not doing it. Beep. <laughs> 
child abuse. You got to break their will. You don't wait till they get 18 trying to break their will. He's talking about a child. See, I was in shop right one day, and, and I'm saying in line, I start shaking. I was thinking about my mother shaking. Little boy in a cart, he in a cart. He told his mother, shut up. She said, don't embarrass me, Johnny. Shut up. Then he said, spit at him. She said, mommy's not pleased. And I was going like this. On my mother's deathbed, I thanked her for every beating she ever gave me. And they were like the angels. They were innumerable. <laughs> my mom would get that extension cord and wrap that thing around her hand and start wet. And you talking about what? We went to school with welts. Hello, diapers. Man, this thing is, and look, why they beating you? They preaching. I told you, I told you. I won't do that. I know you won't do it anymore. I think you won't do it. They be preaching at you, Doc. How many of y'all been preached to? They preach at you. And you better not run. Lord, have mercy. Woo! Doc? She come to the door at dinner time. Look, she, she used to tell us the audience to get you hurt. She come to the door and say, Raymond, it's dinner time. I go like this. Because <laughs> she come out in that street and whip you right in the street. Lord, have mercy. This thing was tight. Let me, let me, let me tell you how much our history paid. Keep sticking with us. Listen, when we were in the house, if we walked over a piece of paper on the floor, my mother would whack us. Pick it up. What's wrong with you? Now, now wait a minute. Well, no, no, because you done walked over that paper three times. So I'm coming from the count room this morning. I got the ministers with me. I'm coming past the mini morning. There's a piece of paper on the floor. I did like this. Look. <laughs> Y'all ain't getting this. You ain't getting this. Yes, ma'am. No, sir. Not hey dog. And then you got you got kids calling their parents by their first name. My God. Rear them up. Love them. Liberate them. Enlighten them. Encourage them. Enable them. Create boundaries in their lives. One of the problems with kids today, they ain't got no boundaries. Some of it is the parents' fault. My mother be talking. I come up close to her. She say, ain't nobody here your age. Get out of my face. Come on, now y'all know what I'm talking about. Child was seen. Now, I, I know I got a lot of doctors or psychologists out there, and you're probably looking at me saying, man, he's, listen, I'm just giving it to you. We never had family discussions on anything. <laughs> All the decisions was made by mom and dad, and that was it. But what do you think, Junior? They weren't interested. Now today, the they, they want to sit down at the dining room table. Where are we going on vacation? Can I, can I, can I do the, you know, you know, just, it, I mean, things have changed. Things have changed. Saturday night was uh, Lawrence Welk and them bubbles. <laughs> Sunday night was Ed Sullivan. Sar Saturday in the morning was Sky King, Bat Masterson, Highway Patrol, remember that? That's it, Heckle and Jekyll, Mighty Mouse, that was it. There was no remote. But 
Oh, we got it made. Now we sit back. Lord, have mercy. Check it out. The guidance. How do you guide children to godliness? You have to teach it and live by example. You have to love them. You have to help liberate them. You have to create boundaries. You're a child. Stay in a child's place. Listen to this. Respect, responsibility, restraint. Are you getting this? My mother had six kids. Four of us grew up together. Everybody had a different room to clean. Mom didn't do no cleaning on Saturday. She worked. Everybody had a different room to clean. Nobody went out till everything was inspected. Remember that? The smell in my house was white cat. And I told you about the three C's that I've come to coin about raising children that from ages 1 to 13 you're caretakers. You are totally responsible for them. Right? Then as they turn, turn teenagers, you're coaches. Your, your objective is to help coach them to learn. And then when they get 19, 20, 21 in college, when then you're counselors. And that's when you make suggestions in the form of a question. If I were you, I would do this. Three C's to raising children the, uh, that particular way. And um, so this, this whole matter of, uh, I was laughing at my son. He was pledging for a fraternity. And he said, while he was pledging, they went through that, you know, that little treatment they go through. He says, this is nothing compared to my dad. <laughs> <laughs> So my point is that there is guidance, not abuse, not beating people to death, not cussing people out. There's loving guidance with kids. You don't put your kids in the middle of your disagreements with your husband and wife. You keep them protected. Are y'all with me? Train up that child in the way they should go. Now let's get to the marriage, the glue. Here we go. Based on Ephesians 5, the husband is to love with God's love, not your love. Love, love your wife as Christ loved the church. He didn't say the man, he said love. Now, Jesus' love for the church sent him up a hill with a cross on his back. Jesus' love for the church let him get nailed, hands and feet, spit upon, stabbed with a spear, mocked. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. This is how much you ought to love them. Love them into submission. Don't demand it. Love them. Now, I'm going to turn this into marriage counseling 101, but listen to this. Right now, I could marry any woman in this church, and I would be faced with the same exact thing. I've got to negotiate, and I've got to compromise. Right? Negotiate means you have to, first of all, the inference is you ought to be mature before you get married. Amen. Right? You got to learn to negotiate things. They may not agree with you. You may not agree with them. There's no pulling rank. You negotiate. Well, let's just keep praying. Let's just keep coming back to this area. Obviously, both of us are very, da da negotiate. Then you got to compromise. You're not going to get everything your way. Hello. 
no matter who you marry. Right. Has nothing to do with the person you marry. It has everything to do with your heart and your ability to make that thing work. Yes, you know why there's so much hell in marriage? Nobody wants to move. Y'all yeah. like Congress. No, nobody wants to compromise. I was sent to this office to hold my position. Well, when you, when you get married, that ain't, that ain't working. You may like one thing, she may like another. She may want to do one thing, you may want to do another. You got to lovingly negotiate. Talking about I'm the head. No, you something else. And it takes a mature man to say, baby, listen, I really don't want or like this, but you know what? Let me, let me submit to you. Submit yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Are y'all getting this? The, the glue, love, and then 1 Peter 3 says, husbands, honor your wives. All men, stand up. Stand up. Get your butt up. <laughs> Say, I want to honor and love my wife. Sit down. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. And sacrifice, that means something is going to cost you something. Can I get a witness? Protect her, provide for Oh, by the way, it is the husband's job description to provide, not the wife. If you got a wife that works, that's gravy. If any man provide not for his own, he's worse than an unbelieving infidel. If a man can't manage his own house, how are you going to manage the house of God? I'm preaching up in this place. Can I get a witness? Y'all ain't got to say amen. So husbands love. But they full of hell. Love them anyhow. Love all the hell out of them. Love. Uh-oh. I know I'm preaching, baby. I done been to hell and back. I know I'm preaching. <laughs> love! Love when you don't feel like loving. Love when it's, amen. Love, love, love when you feel like it's at your manhood. Love! Now we done laughed and clapped on the men. Now I'm coming to the women. Yeah. Wives, respect your husbands. Respect them. Don't call them out of their name. Don't get them home when they go to take a shower and say, look at that stomach. Don't you dare. <laughs> Respect them. And then the Bible says, Submit. Women, stand on your feet. All wives, stand on your feet. Come on, get up, get up. Look at you. You're rebellious. Get up. Say, I'm going to love, I mean, I'm going to respect, and I'm going to submit. Sit down. Here we go. That's why, that's why sometimes, I don't, I don't mean no harm. The women, look, listen, our women are fired up all the time. They, we, look, we love them. They come back from the women's retreat, six buses of them. Oh, praise ye him. Praise ye him. Glory. Hallelujah. I tell them, take that mess home. That's right. Transfer that into your home. 
Now watch this. Proverbs 31 says, you are managers of your household. Can I get a witness? And then the Bible says, wives ought to be in obedience to their husbands as unto the Lord. Your level of obedience to your husband should be the same as to the Lord. Y'all ain't get that. You ain't saying amen. Look at you. And that's why Abraham called, Sarah called Abraham Lord. The glue that holds a marriage together. Respect. It starts with respect. You know, most men that don't respect their wives didn't respect their mothers. Do you know that? Do you know there's always a historical connection, Bruce? You angry and you want to beat something is because you are suffering within. You are a mental, spiritual midget within so you got to act like a giant without it takes a strong man to submit oh, I'm preaching up in this place I'm preaching up in this place now, I don't do marriage counseling no more. We got a counseling department, guys, doesn't matter. And, and, I'm, and I'm glad I don't, because I run half y'all in my office. I ain't got time for that. <laughs> well, he don't love me. When the last time you cooked? <laughs> Get out of my office. I ain't got time for you. Check, check it out. Check it out. Check it out. Look at the third area. I know you're going to get quiet in the management of God's finances. Not fruit, family, but finances, giving and getting. Real quick, going back to Psalm 24, if the Lord owns everything, the principle is that we are managers, Old Testament percentages, New Testament prosper, prosperity and purposes, equitable tithes and offerings. You can't, Paul talks about abounding. You cannot abound till you bound. The word bound means 10%. Are you getting this? Don't get quiet now. We walk around here with iPhone 4, 5, and 6. Yes, sir. Pads, computers, gadgets, gadgets, gimmicks, and won't tie. My God. Now, one of y'all came here on a bicycle. We don't even have a bicycle rack out there. And you don't give gas for the van money, for the gas. You get on the van, you ain't paying no gas. Church paying for it. Oh, we getting tight up in here now, Doc. You know what I found out? We get what we want. We buy what we want. Are you praying with me? Women came here this morning, it was cold. I saw more animals around their shoulder than the zoo. It's all right. Look at it. Look at this. Look at this. Look at this. Paul, Paul, Paul talks about we see people. Paul talks about people in this Corinthian church in a great trial of affliction. Listen, out of the abundance of their joy and deep poverty abounded to the riches of their liberality. For their power was to be willing to give of themselves first reason we don't tithe and give because we haven't given the Lord us. See, when God's got your heart, he's got everything else. Can I get a witness? 2 Corinthians 9, 6, he that soweth sparingly, when you give sparingly, shall also reap sparingly. He that sow bountifully uh, shall reap bountifully. Every man according to as he purposed in his heart, so let him give. For God loves a cheerful giver. 2 Corinthians 9, 8 says, and God is able to make all grace abound toward you that ye have all sufficiency in all 
things. Now, wait a minute, preacher. What does this mean? This means I'm going to have needs that don't involve money. But because I'm faithful in my giving, God's going to make all grace abound in all sufficiency, in all needs. He's going to open up doors I didn't even pray about. He's going he's to give stuff I didn't even, oh, you ain't preach, you ain't. Uh, child of God, child of God, child of God. Luke 6.38 says, pay attention to the verbs, give and it shall be given to you. Can I get a witness? How? Measured, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Amen. Into your bosom for the same measure percentage that you give, it shall be measured back to you again. Malachi uses words like this when he's talking about giving. Shall a man rob God? No, you rob me in tithes and offerings. He says, try me, test me, your seed. That's your children. He talks about the power of your blessings. That's your future. He talks about uh, opening up the windows of heaven and pouring out a blessing you cannot receive. Why? For God so loved the world. Watch the connection that he gave his only begotten son. Notice love and giving are connected. That whosoever believed in him should not perish but have Everlasting life, my God. There is the management of our fruit, family, finances, but finally, faith. How do we manage our faith? It determines God's blessings upon us. Listen, listen, listen to me. Let me say this. My children are being blessed because of the work of my hands for the Lord. My son ain't passing nowhere. My daughters, my daughters ain't do too much church. But because I've been, by the grace of God and by the gifts of God, faithful to him, my seeds, I wish I had a witness. My seeds are being blessed. Other people in my family, because I pray for them every night, are being blessed. Can I get a witness? Because, child of God, there is a connection. Are you praying with me? Yeah, but finally, the management of our faith, and in Galatians chapter 6, real quick, caring, bearing, and sharing, does, does your faith care enough to restore others? No, 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 it says, if a brother be overtaken the fault, you that are spiritual, restore. Let me, let me, let me, and, and I said this last week, church discipline, and let me say this to you, the, the multiplicity of changes we made in this ministry over 25 years was to move people out of tradition to truth. Tradition to truth. It used to be in most churches when somebody was found in a fault, they crucified them. Call a church meeting. Vote them out. That was never God's will. The discipline of church is never punitive. It's reconciliatory. It's designed, Matthew 18, to get you to see the error of your ways. Are you getting this? And once you repent, turn around and say, I'm sorry, you're forgiven and you're restored. Nobody has the right to put somebody outside the church because they made a mistake. Because they fell. Who are you? Can I get a witness? He, he talks about caring. Romans 15 says, let the strong bear the infirmities of the weak. In your faith, who do you care for? And how are you caring for others? We have an obligation to be loving. One of the things I said last Wednesday, you need to come to court, you learn a lot. I said, as you grow in grace, the Lord starts breaking your heart 
And even with things you don't agree with or are reprehensible, you're kind and loving. We'll never have same-sex marriages in this church, as long as I'm alive. Not, not long as I'm alive. Not long as I'm alive. We're not having that. That's, that's unbiblical. That's unbiblical. Let me say that again. That's unbiblical. Uh, but we don't have to agree with those groups, but we got to be loving to those groups. Can I get a witness? We got to learn how to really care for people we don't agree with. Are you getting this? Bruce has helped me because he's a counselor. We, we got to learn to care for people. Well, I don't agree with you, but I do love you. Amen? That's the way Jesus was. But, but not only caring, but bearing. Do you help somebody else with their burdens? I'm not talking about your children. That's a given. Who do you help that's carrying burdens? Do you help carry their burden? Let me pray with you. Let me, here, here's $25. Let, let, me, let me help you. Let me, let me, let me, what is it that we do as Christians to help bear somebody else's burdens? You know what made me almost cry? When my kids were small and uh, people would come to me and say, Pastor, give us your kids and you and sister go on, go on a vacation. Take a break. I just thought the gesture the gesture was, it almost made me cry. That's caring. Are y'all getting this? Uh, 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 that's, that's bearing. And then the third thing in Galatians 6 is sharing. How do we share with one another? See, my faith is on the line of how I care, bear, and share. For me to go to a five-star restaurant have a ribeye steak, baked potato, and something green salad with all the alliance, and you reaching out of garbage cans and I not help you, that's con contradictory to Christianity. Are you getting me? For me to see you on 322 in Glassboro and I go past you and beep the horn, talking about God bless you, that ain't a bless, that's a curse. You ought to stop, pick me up, and bring me to church. Can I get a witness? Y'all ain't getting this. Child of God, we have an obligation to be faithful. And when we're faithful over a few things, and Jesus was faithful in his management of fruit, he sacrificed, he served. He was faithful in his, the management of his family. He died for the elect. He guided, he glues us, he was faithful in his financial support. He who was rich became poor. He was faithful in his management of faith because he cares, he bears, and he shares. Now here's what will stop you from doing all four. I. Guess what letter is in the middle of the word sin? I. Guess how many times I is in Romans 7? 23 times. I. As long as your I is on the throne, you will not be faithful to his fruit, your family, your finances, or your faith. You got to back up. So in 2013, what a sermon to start a year off. Lord, I want to serve and sacrifice in my fruit. I want to serve you. Then in my family, I want to guide my children, be glued in my marriage. My finances, I want to give what you're asking for so I can get what I'm praying for. And then God in my faith, this year, I want to care more, bear more, share more. Let's stay on our feet today.
As every head is bowed, every eyes closed. If you're here this morning, you want to be saved. Jesus wants to save you. He died for your sins and buried and rose again. I couldn't think of a better son to get saved. Raise your hand if you want to get saved. Jesus wants to save you so you don't go to hell. Jesus wants to save you so he can start a new work in your life. Raise your hand. Is there one? We had three this morning. Come on up. Your hands are raised. Perhaps you want to join our church on your Christian experience. You come up too. Church, say amen. amen. What a mighty God. What a mighty God we serve. Come on up. Bless the Lord. Come on up. Come on up. Glad to have you, brother. Thank you, man. Praise Jesus. I'm right here. Hello. Oh, hey, man. Hello. How are you? Hello, my brother. Right there. Praise Jesus. That's right. Come on. Hello, honey. Come on. Come on. We want you to come on out. Come on out of your seats. Come on out of your seats. Come on. Join the church or get saved. Just come right now. Is there another? Is there another? Praise Jesus. Listen to Pastor. Praise Jesus. Thank you, brother. Glad to have you. Thank you, darling. Glad to have you. Praise Jesus. Is there another? We are a teaching ministry. We grow, we know, we show, and we glow for Jesus the Christ. There are others. You need to come and join. Come on. Step out right now. We're not perfect, but we are forgiven. We preach truth. Come on. We're transparent. Will you step out? Will you step out right now? In the name of Jesus. Before we dismiss Saturday, all leaders here at 9 o'clock, deacons and preachers, Wednesday, come to core, bring your notebooks. I'll meet with the cell ministers at 6 o'clock. We love you. We're kicking off a new year. We want to be faithful in our fruit, family, finances, and faith. Wives, respect, submit, obey. Husbands, love, honor, sacrifice, provide. Amen? Amen. Father, we thank you for the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And God, we thank you for your word. And we know that that word this morning hit us in areas in which we need help. Give us help from heaven to overcome those things that are in our lives. Give us a heart to bear fruit and serve. Give us a heart to guide and be glued in our families. Give us a heart to give and tithe knowing we will get. And then give us a heart of faith to care, bear, and share. In Jesus' name. And bless your people to read Genesis 1 to 4 today. And each day, four chapters. Sanctify it to us as a church. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, amen. now maybe your marriage will work. <laughs>